Secret Dinosaur Cult. Secret Dinosaur Cult. Secret Dinosaur Cult. Susie Hagen, Osaurus, and Jodie Mitchell, a doll, have daddy issues that they go to tackle head on. going to be in Birmingham and I feel like that bears mentioning yes is that not a saying bears mentioning I I don't know have I made that up in my head is it a saying yeah. that bears mentioning mm-hmm. oh I'm sorry dear. do you need me to teach you more English <laughs> I feel sometimes I feel like my my English is just crumbling away I don't have anything to replace it with it's just <laughs> staring into a linguistical void <laughs> well done on knowing a saying that I didn't I just believe it best mentioning that I <laughs> speak so many languages. It's more a curse than a blessing, really. Well, I, I know some things in Latin. <laughs> which I also is... know some things in Latin. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Fine. I'm so happy that you're not challenging me on this. Do you, I, do I, you I, not? I'm incredibly gullible. This is, I, which is Latin for amazing. <laughs> I did a whole show where I kept mentioning... Uh, that I'm fluent in Russian and it felt really good to tell people I'm not I speak no Russian no Russian at all but I, don't, I, just, I just started saying it on stage and it felt like people were impressed it felt really good it's a slippery, slippery slope yeah. my friend yeah. it felt really good though well, I could have studied Russian I did, I studied Russian for almost a year it didn't go well It didn't end well. It ended with me turning up to an exam eight hours early because I didn't know how to log into our system to find out when my examination time was. And then I tried to guess the answers because I hadn't studied anything. You can't. It was was university. You can't guess. No. And they were like, what was the biggest import in the 16th century? Something like that. And I was like... Corn? <laughs> he was like, no. I was like, potatoes? And he was like, are you guessing? And I was like, flour? <laughs> he was like, you can't guess it. And I was like, maybe if you give me enough tries, I can. <laughs> it's not good. And they were telling me it was really sad. We're going to have to fail you. And I was like, no, I knew that. Like, I'm not... It was just like, it was really hard for them to tell me. But like, I, I was there. I was there. When, when I was trying to guess the answers. <laughs> like I, I, obviously, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> Anyways, fluent in Russian. My sweet baby. <laughs> well, that was a fairly terrible thing for you to have done. But I'm sure you also did other terrible things at some point in your life. It's time for the Terrible Person segment! <laughs> Are you okay, hum? I'm Jurassic, mate. You're just the worst. Triceratop, that bitch. Wow, you really are a terrible person. Iguana, don't even get me started. So, Sophie. <laughs> Obviously, it's important that we tell all of our cult members that are here that at a good cult, you get offered shit. Now, this cult, we want to offer you forgiveness. It's a classic. It's offered at other cults, but we do it best. So I want you to just picture in your mind the worst thing you've ever done. Just go back there. Sophie, the soundscape? No, stop it. No, not orange. 
<laughs> it's the worst colour, so I'm imagining they're wearing orange. Oh, I thought maybe you had like a little dog called Orange or something. <laughs> orange! No, it's if someone wears orange, it's awful. Nice. Yeah, well, it's the worst sin. So sorry, four of you. <laughs> Our sweet audience will never come back. Imagine that you're wearing orange. We forgive you. So sorry. I'm so sorry. We were like, as you walked in as that's well. That's brown. That's more brown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's we were fine. like, it's yeah, an anxiety fine. safe gig. Sit on the front row. <laughs> Shame on us. Also, this dinosaur. That's brown, though. That's brown. That's an alright color. Okay. That's alright. That's okay. Don't worry about it. I didn't realize we were going to image shame people. Our beautiful, our beautiful, inclusive gig that we've created. I wasn't prepared that I had to do the soundscape, and I just thought, oh, think okay. of something horrible. Yeah, yeah. It's because I um, was once on a horrible date in a lesbian bar with a man. <laughs> I don't remember why. Oh, we hate why. it when people do that. <laughs> I genuinely don't remember why that was happening. And it was so awkward. It was so embarrassing. Like, we were just saying nothing to each other. It was so embarrassing. And then I saw a woman dressed in orange, like completely dressed in orange, like socks, shoes, dress, her hair, her makeup, her hair, everything was orange. And I was like, and it was like loud music. I was like trying to shout to him, like, do you see the orange lady? Do you see the orange lady? And he was just like smiling at me like, what? And every time she walked past, because we weren't saying anything else, I was just like, orange lady, it's the orange lady, look at the orange lady! And then um, a few days later, I called, so I was, we met through my, our friend, and I called her to talk about this horrible date that had just gone so wrong. And I said to her, but anyways, there was this woman who was dressed in orange, it was amazing, she was just completely orange, she must love orange. And my friend said, oh, that, was that why you shouted that at him? And he had never seen her. So I just shouted, Orange Lady! <laughs> into his face, and he'd just been like, I don't know what is happening. So he never saw the Orange Lady. And then a few years later, I started university, and the, the, uh, the woman who sat next to me was like, can I show you my girlfriend? And I was like, sure. And she showed me a photo of the Orange Lady, and I was like, Orange Lady! It's the Orange, it's the orange Lady! <laughs> she's, a th- she's a person who exists who just always wear orange. Everything she owns is orange. It's amazing. I like to think that she's like what inspired you to be queer. <laughs> yes. Maybe really the orange lady her. should be like the image of our cult. Just yes. like hovering above a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. If some if we know any if there are any listeners who are like artists, like illustrators, if you can draw like an orange lady sitting on a dinosaur, then we can we can shove that on a t shirt, can't we? Yeah. We can get little mugs <laughs> on stage with Ah, oh, I'd love that. Someone do that. Thank you. Anyways, so uh, anyways, so it was hor- It was a horrible thing because I was shouting "Orange Lady" at a mm-hmm. boy that I really liked. He was really clever. He was really handsome. So, orange. That's why. Sorry. Is this your? Is this your terrible person? No, it's thing not even. I don't see what I've done wrong there. Oh my god. Well, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have forgiven you for it because you're right. The orange lady is in Amazing. all of us, and we should accept her. Yes. Um, Sorry. But. In what way have you been a terrible person? So a few years ago, I think I was in Belfast. I'd just done a gig, and when I came back to my hotel, there was um, a man and his son. Son was maybe four years old. And they were waiting for the lift, and uh, we walked into the lift together, giving like a polite smile. And the dad was holding the son's like cartoon. Uh, backpack in his hand 
And then the, and they, they were really giddy, really happy. And then the father said, it's not my bag. And the kid just started laughing. I was like, ah, it's so much fun. Imagine if that was my dad's bag. <laughs> and I was like smiling and I said like, oh, did you steal it? And the dad said, yes. And then the kid was like, ah, <laughs> laughing again. And I didn't know what to say. And they were just smiling. They had the best day. And I just went, oh, fuck. <laughs> and their faces just dropped and the kid just like oh like that was that was the bad bad word from the bad bad lady <laughs> and there was a silence all the way up it just ruined their entire night <laughs> such a long fuck as well fuck hey, he really drew it out and I almost just screamed it fuck into his little face <laughs> well, I I forgive you. We forgive you, Sophie. Thank you. That feels so much better. You're very lucky, <laughs> Jodie. How have you been a terrible person? Um, I was really lucky. Um, between the age of like 19 and 23, I lived with my my best my best best pals, um, and both of them are incredible queer people who I love with all of my heart and um, all very supportive of each other and when we moved in together it became this like beautiful utopia and I I felt so safe I had a lot of sex often happens when I feel safe um, <laughs> I was living in a sex castle the the curtains were made of queer um, it was great the bed was formed of dental dams and a sense of inherent trust <laughs> And uh, what happened about, like, two years into um, living with these people um, is my, my best pal, um, my best pal, finally uh, started uh, sleeping with people that they wanted to be sleeping with. And it was amazing, and they were so happy. Um, and they met someone incredible that they fell very deeply in love with, are still with now. Um, and they started a beautiful relationship. And a big part of that beautiful relationship was very loud sex. Um, <clears throat> and at this point in my life, I'd had a breakup. And so I was feeling bitter and very much as though no one else deserved to be happy. Um, and so at one point, I, um, I was feeling particularly sad because I, I had someone over and uh, we weren't having sex. And I felt particularly bitter and so what I did was um, I, I played very loud, disruptive music right next to the wall. Um, my selection was primarily Black Eyed Peas, Shut Up, Just Shut Up, Shut Up. <laughs> On repeat. <laughs> then I played the Russian National Anthem. <laughs> On repeat also. Um, and... I felt okay about I mean, at the time, I was like, yeah, fuck you. Um, and then in the morning, I discovered that they had been trying to say, I love you to each other. <laughs> and I'd really, I'd really ruined it in like quite a big way, really obvious way. <clears throat> so <laughs> I, I would like to be forgiven for that. I forgive you. We forgive you, Jodie. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I love that so much. It was was so uncomfortable. Speaking of uncomfortable, (laughs) our dads uh, left (laughs) 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 and we 
because of that, we now want to talk about it a lot. This is, it's, it's time for the daddy hole segment, in which uh, we make our own jingles, which is what's going to happen now. <coughs> Do you hear your father ring? No, because he never really rings. It is because he left your mom and he will not come back again. It left a hole within your heart. You'll be in therapy for life. You'll sleep with bearded men who never makes you come. <laughs> Did that come to our school play? Did he, no, I'm doing it again. <laughs> What's the second one? Come on, you know it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> Start over. I'll, I'll, I'll chime in. Come on. Come on. <laughs> There's a play. Did he pay the child support? Did he got, just get up and leave so he could be with his new wife? Who's actually nice, but that's not the point of the song. <laughs> Did you hear your father ring? No, because he never really rings. And he <laughs> it is because he left your mom and he will not come back again. It left a hole within your heart. You'll be in therapy for life. You'll sleep with bearded men who never makes you come. Will you give all you can give so that your dad may reappear? He'll turn up and say he's proud and that he loves your new podcast. Maybe he's changed. It's only been 30 years. Do you hear your father ring? No, because he never really rings. It is because he left your mom and he will not come back again. It left a hole within your heart. You'll be in therapy for life. You'll sleep with bearded men who never makes you come. I don't know if any of you have seen the end of the, um, I think it's the 10th Jubilee, where they get all the, sh the Sean Valjeans up from all around, from other countries. Anyways. <laughs> Er det lyden af din far? Nej, han kontakter aldrig dig. Det er fordi han skred fra mor, og han vender aldrig retur. Du er i stykker indeni. Du burde se en terapeut. Du knaller mænd med skæg, som ikke giver ret sex. Et tomatro... No. I did try and Google Translate a lot of them. And I was like, it's not gonna, it's not gonna happen. So, Jody, how did you fill your daddy hole this week? I lint rolled all of my black clothes, of which I have many. Goths forever. Did it work? Did your dad come back? No. Okay. And Sophie, how did you fill your daddy hole this week? I bought uh, Danish sweets at the airport that I could give to the audience so that there might be a tiny chance they'll love me more than you. <laughs> and um, did it work? Did your dad come back? No. Stop it. That's that bit. <laughs> I think it's time for the next segment. It's time to introduce Dinosaur. Which dinosaur? dinosaur. Yeah, but which one? The one which we 
Okay, so the dinosaur this week is fucking awesome. It's a really recent discovery. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about it, and then I'll tell you about its journey. (laughs) Ah. Um, So, the dinosaur this week is the nodosaur. Very cool dino. It looks a lot like an ankylosaurus, which we covered on a previous episode. (laughs) Do you recall? No. Good. Um, well, basically, it's got um, a sort of very flat back. It's very wide. It's got, it's got four little legs. And uh, it's, got a very, it's actually got a very small head. So it's got a long neck and then a very small head. Very accurate. And uh, it's covered in spines and bumps on its back. It's armoured. And then it's got a long tail with a little lump at the end. Not oh, as big as the Ankylosaurus like, oh. at all. Not, re- not a really big lumpy thing at the end. A smaller one. Yeah, really good. A mu- like a mushroom, yeah. Um, but it's, it's huge. So they think it was about 18 feet long, 3,000 pounds. Um, I don't actually know how heavy that is, but a cool amount. Um, <laughs> part of the ankylosaurus family it's a herbivore so it's pretty chill we're talking the cretaceous period cool <laughs> um but i want to tell you about this specific nodosaur that they found so um it's a species of nodosaur but i think it might be a new kind which is very very exciting so it was found in the millennium mine in uh, fort mcmurray in alberta and this guy <laughs> so in the course of this story, it will become apparent that everyone in it is named in a really cool way. <laughs> so there's this guy, he's operating heavy machinery. That's his job. He's just digging about in a mine, doing what he does best. His name is Sean Funk. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly, he can't actually get his digger into the dirt. It's hit something hard. Now, Sean... He's used to perils of the job, okay? So he gets out, he has a little look, he's like, it's probably a bit bit of rock, maybe some fossilised wood. Apparently, he comes across fossilised wood a lot. I don't know why he said that in his interview, <laughs> but he did. So it always happens, fossilised wood, classic, fair. Um, but it wasn't fossilised wood. It was, in fact, a dinosaur. <gasps> Now, originally, it just looked like a big rock that had some stuff sort of sticking out of it. But he was intelligent. He informed the right people. He thought it might be a big fossil. And pretty soon, Donald Henderson and Darren Tank (laughs) came over from the Royal Tyrell Museum. I know. Um, So they they start working on extracting the fossil, and they end up with a 15,000-pound rock just sitting there, so it's huge. They haven't managed to properly excavate the actual dino, uh, but they know that it must be quite an exciting find because they can tell that there's pretty much a complete skeleton inside. Um, So they decide they're going to have to transport it to the museum, but they have to lift it out of the mine first. So they put it in what is essentially a big hammock and they start lifting it up out of the mine. They fail, it drops... (gasps) And it smashes. Bad times. A paleontologist's worst nightmare. Uh, So it breaks into, like, big chunks. But 
Darren Tank is a guy that knows what to do in a difficult situation. (laughs) So what they decide to do is take all of these individual chunks that are now really unstable and wrap them in plaster and then transport them by car back to the museum, uh, which is a very long way away. They've flown there. So they take all of these individual chunks. It takes several like journeys by car. They get them all back to the museum. They unwrap them again, and they start excavating the actual dinosaur. And what they find is a perfectly preserved dinosaur body, not a skeleton, like an actual body. It has... Um, preserved skin it has soft tissue it has scales it even has like some traces of pigment so they can start to figure out what the coloring of the dinosaur would be basically it's fucking awesome um so they managed to um assemble this um nodosaur and what they really want to do is look inside it because they've always had to basically guess how all of the bones go together. Often they have incomplete skeleton records. So they really, really want to see the sort of complete bone structure inside. And they suspect that there might even be like a preserved heart, etc., etc. But every single time they try and CT scan it, nothing comes back. So they really try to look inside it. But obviously it's, it's basically rock. That's what happens. I know a lot about it. (laughs) Um, So they can't have a look inside. So they're incredibly stressed. They even, um, they consider breaking apart the dinosaur. They have all of these huge arguments about whether it's like ethical to break it apart, whether they should keep it complete because it's so rare to get a complete skeleton. They've already fucked it by dropping it into a mine shaft. (laughs) Um, And what they think happened, the reason why this dino got preserved, is that they think that the nodosaur was just chilling on a riverbank because it's actually, it's preserved in a way where its neck is like slightly tilted. So they think that it got killed looking behind it, maybe? It's, it's pretty cool. It's like um, some Pompeii stuff, isn't I know, it? creepy. It's like drawing a dig on a wall. Have you never been to Pompeii? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I... you never been to Pompeii? I've... <laughs> I've looked at a lot of, of pictures of Pompeii, but I didn't... The dicks aren't the thing that really stand out. How is that out. not the thing? Well, it's all like of the ancient dicks. The mummified... The, the culture. <laughs> no, you're right. It's the dicks. It's the dicks. It's the big dicks. Um, but they think that a, a flood swept it away. They think that this, like, huge wave that was, like, like a tidal wave, basically, that it wasn't expecting, came up the riverbed, killed it, instantly um and then it sort of floated down river and the gases inside the like rotting dino corpse kept it afloat for about a week which is why it went so far out into the ocean because they they found it in like a fossilized what was previously an ocean bed um and so it stayed afloat for a long time long enough to get really far out to sea and then they think that it sort of burst apart and the, the gases left the body so quickly that it was propelled down, hit the ocean floor with enough impact that it made a crater, which it then was inside. And because it was in the crater, it naturally got covered by mud and silt really quickly because it was already embedded. And so it instantly got protected from further rot because it was instantly covered. And the paleontologists that have been working on it were like, if anything happened differently that wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have been preserved in that way. So if it had been hit by, like, a slightly smaller wave and it hadn't been killed so quickly, if it hadn't been, like, carried so far downstream, if it had had, like, a slightly different natural body density. So that's pretty cool. 
And what I want us to do now is review the following facts about this. Sean Funk had a very stressful day when he realised he'd hit a large fossil with heavy machinery and potentially damaged it. Darren Tank destroyed one of the most precious discoveries in his field. (laughs) The dinosaur was killed by what I can only imagine was a nightmare wave. (laughs) And so what I would like to talk about today is anxiety. I thought you were going to go with um, you being terrified of the ocean. Oh no, see, I I tend to just not think about that. (laughs) I just bury that away. But I am terrified of the ocean. I imagine you just Google, like, ocean dinosaur, and then I'd hope that something would come up. (laughs) Ocean fear! (laughs) No, but I mean, sometimes I watch videos of sharks just for the adrenaline hit. (laughs) It's like going on a roller coaster for me. You know how people are like, oh, I'm going to go to the fun fair, I'm going to go on a roller coaster. Sometimes I'm just in my bed, I'm like, I'm going to watch a shark I'm like wow that one's big <laughs> oh it's too much stop <laughs> anxiety yeah do you have it oh yeah heaps of it which is kind of why I want to talk about it because I I spend a lot of my life in a in a lovely queer bubble and it's very easy to forget although this is the case inside the queer bubble as well, it's very easy to forget that for so many people, anxiety is still something that is totally taboo. There's loads of shame surrounding it. Uh, People don't acknowledge each other's anxiety. They don't give each other the appropriate support network. And so I wanted to talk about it because it's fucking okay to be anxious. And I kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on anxiety and how you feel people interact with anxiety. I I almost don't believe that other people don't have anxiety because <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine not being anxious. Like when I'm when I'm in a place where there's a lot of people and it's very loud, which is like my worst place to be for my anxiety. I look at other people and I think, how are they hiding their anxiety so well? Because they're all smiling, having a, looking like they're having a great time. Mm. But I cannot imagine being in a room full of people. And not feeling incredibly anxious. I just cannot imagine it. And it must be the same way around for people who are not anxious. They must be just assuming. Uh, they, I don't think they can imagine what it is actually like. Mm. You know, feeling like you desperately need a corner or a small room or just to get out of there or you'll die like that, like anxious feeling. I don't mm. think it's just so hard for me to imagine not feeling like that. Because you, lo- you love being in a corner, right? You oh, have to be corners. against a wall. When I was a child, um, so my mom is insane, and she, um, we we had this tiny, tiny hamster, like a what, what do you call the tiny ones? Oh, a dwarf, I think they're called Russian dwarf hamsters, yeah, which is a weird name. But I had some too. Yeah. yeah, and my mom found this dwarf hamster somewhere and took it home, and then she took a huge uh, dresser, like a huge wardrobe, and she laid it down in the hallway. It was like two or three meters long and like two meters wide. And then she just made that the home for this. So it had like, its room was bigger than mine. This tiny hamster. She was like, the hamster needs space. Like she's the worst person to go to the zoo with. She's just like, let them all out. Like, no, no mom, don't touch the locks. So she's like this little, anyways, the point is, as soon as this hamster died, I was like, can I, can I have this as my bed? Because my dream was to have 
like a box, like to sleep in a box. Like a coffin? Basically, yes. Wow. That was the dream, like just imagine lying in this like tiny space and just like surrounded by pillows and my duvet and then like something over me as well. So I just had this tiny little space that was just mine. That was like, oh, that feels safe. I wasn't allowed because <laughs> of the coffin thing. I'm glad that your hamster like brought a positive realization into your life. Mine, I had two hamsters. They were called Fudgy and Magda, and they were lovely. <laughs> and I loved them very, very much. And I'm very allergic to all animals, and they were one of the few animals I seemed to be able to cohabit with. Um, and then one day, Magda ate Fudgy. Holy shit. <laughs> And my mum, my mum is a very stern Scottish woman, so she didn't protect me from it at all. I came down, and she didn't even just say, Fudgy's died. She didn't say that. She specifically told me what had happened. I came downstairs, and she went, you know how last night you put um, extra food in because you love the hamsters? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Do they like the grapes? And she was, I think I was like nine. She's like, mm, yes, I'm sure they did like the grapes, yeah. The thing about the world is that um, animals can be vicious. And sometimes you show them kindness and they still behave in bizarre ways. And what's happened is Magda's waited until Fudgy was asleep. And despite the fact there was other food in the cage, she's eaten her cheeks. <laughs> So we buried Fudgy and we renamed Magda Killer. <laughs> we weren't allowed to touch her anymore. It was horrible. Honestly, maybe that's where some of my anxiety around animals comes from. Wow. <laughs> wow. I know. Isn't it disturbing as fuck? How do you... It's hard sometimes to differentiate between like what is anxiety as in what is the dysfunctional kind of not healthy psychological I don't know what the I want to say illness it's not I don't know if this counts as psychological illness but anyways what's I guess irrational and what's rational because there are also things that are really scary yeah you know that's like like men yeah so I had this I had a discussion <laughs> I had this discussion with someone about whether like um she was like, oh, you know, like, we were talking about anxiety and we were talking about rational and irrational fears. And I was like, well, there are things I'm anxious about that actually are quite rational, like my fear of men. <laughs> like, there's a reason why I feel very anxious when there are, like, men walking too close to me walking home. And when and they raise their voices, like, my heart just goes in, like, loud male voices. <gasps> oh, really? Well, yeah. I just get really angry. I shout. I'm just like, shut up! Anyway, what was I saying about the cake? <laughs> like, I can't... But, I mean, I think it's um, it's important to bear in mind that even though something may not seem uh, like a rational fear in, like, the circumstances of what's happening, like, there can be, like, rational conditions around that. Um, and my, my flatmate once used this to explain her fear of spiders, which I don't think is exactly the same thing. She's like, well, some, somewhere in the world there's a big spider. And I was like, but is it here in Edinburgh where, where not even people can survive the cold? Like, I don't, think, I don't think tropical spiders have yet arrived on the shores of Leith. 
But there are people who keep spiders that are dangerous. Oh, that's a good point. And have you Don't seen... listen to the podcast, Emily. Have you seen ar- Arachnophobia? That movie where they're, they're with the bananas, they're being transported in, and then these dangerous, and they're like in the popcorn thing, and, and they're like in the shower. I watched that maybe <laughs> 18, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I still think about it every time I shower or eat popcorn. Really? Yeah. So just oh, stay I mean, I'm not, it's not like I'm like, ah, I just acknowledge the fact that I might get bitten by a dangerous spider. Well, I guess I, I have that with sharks because of Jaws. <laughs> but that's, that is you an irrational fear. I have that. Too. Yeah, but I have that in swimming pools. Like a, a swimming pool with dark corners. I'm like, he could be here. <laughs> and that's irrational. Yeah. <laughs> I know that now. Yeah. I just thought, I find well, what happened when I, I guess, acknowledged to myself or realized that I'm non binary. Mm. anxiety just went away I mean not all of it but like 50% of it yeah. I was going to this uh, party that night like a dinner party it's New Year's Eve and I didn't I only knew a few of the people there and I didn't know the rest I didn't know what they were going to be like and just the, the thought of sitting around a table with people I didn't know Yeah. I was just like oh god I was so anxious about it and I was like oh should I just get drunk before I get there so I can kind of deal with it and that was the same day that I was like, oh, I'm non-binary. And the second I had that realization, I was like, oh, I'll be fine tonight. And it's weird because it wasn't like I was going to tell them, like make an announcement. Or it was just this within myself. I was like, oh, there's some, there was like a part of my anxiety that must have stemmed from either like not being myself or not acknowledging myself or maybe had to, having to live up to what, in having to feel bad about not being the thing I thought I was because I couldn't be that. And I'm not really sure what it was, but yeah. it was an incredibly freeing feeling. Even though it wasn't even on my mind at the dinner party, it just felt more relaxed in a way. Do you think it's to do with being like grounded in yourself? Because social anxiety is... So, I mean, I have social anxiety... And I, I sometimes find like big group settings like really overwhelming, like especially dinner parties. Mm. I have really shit hearing. So if people are talking at me, I just won't, I, unless I can slightly lip read what they're saying and there's enough audio to sort of like back up what I'm guessing they're saying, mm. then they may as well just be like, blah, 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 which is <laughs> so engaging. Um, and it sounds like they're underwater, so you get all panicky. Yeah, I'm like, sharks, sharks, they're all sharks. I'm going to take off their skin. It's never safe to get back in the water. Um, <clears throat> that's going to happen one day. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I know what you mean, because I, I find settings like that very overwhelming. And once I felt more grounded in myself, and I felt like I knew myself better, those situations became more manageable, I guess. A bit. It was almost like I'd had a rest day because I felt like I could like go back to myself. That's so poetic. <laughs> it's beautiful. But it's, it's beautiful. yeah. Obviously, what? there isn't like a cure to social anxiety, and I still have it. But it definitely helped to feel more grounded in myself. You know what? And this is going to sound so basic, but I met. I tried to meditate for a bit, and I I can't get into it. Pro- I I should. I I feel like I should meditate. Because it really, I remember for some reason I ended up at Oxford Circus around like 5.30 in the afternoon of a work day. And if you've ever been, yeah, yeah you're like cringing. <laughs> yeah. It is the worst, oh. it is just, there's no, so there's no space. Like it's just people standing 
and it is the most anxi- and you're just standing in the middle of people you can't move it's so horrible and I had just meditated for like five days straight um, I mean te- like ten minutes at a time <laughs> not <laughs> constant in a coma for five days but and it's, and I just I focus on my breathing it's and I forget the seconds I always get them wrong and then people <laughs> tell me that I almost died but like you breathe in through the, your nose for like a long time as much as you possibly can and you hold your breath I think four seconds and then you blow out through your mouth for as long as you can like a long time and you just repeat that and it's so like it really calms your body down and then you count it you breath in one breath out two and up to ten start over and I was in the middle of this Oxford Circus hell and I did that and I could just feel my body calm down even there was still like I wasn't completely comfortable but it made it a lot better that's the closest thing I've gotten to oh that's that worked that's the thing I can do that worked mm. as you have to like focus on like the soles of your feet and like kind of like you know touch your touch your arms touch your hands touch your body like I'm here this is it this is happening yeah very really useful yeah I think so I feel like sometimes I think definitely um, like some doctors that I've spoken to in my time have like very much thought that they can like apply breathing to any situation there <laughs> or like <clears throat> or they'll be like well I mean obviously you should try breathing I'm like oh <gasps> nope still there um, <clears throat> or they'll be like oh or exercise exercise really helps and it's like oh no then I just hyperventilate and have a panic attack it's the same thing <laughs> Um, obviously you should never tell anyone that they should exercise because um, you never know the contextual factors and then they'll be like have you um, have you thought about just sitting and thinking things through have you what? been told this <laughs> yeah what? so does I've, this come from men oh yeah every time uh, yeah. just like have you thought about thinking things through I'm like well, the more I think about it the worse the world is <laughs> if, I, if I just like exist through my day then I can probably get to the end of it but if I, if I every few minutes I'm like okay so time to just <clears throat> reconsider the patriarchy <laughs> why do I feel such rage yep it's still there like I don't <laughs> I don't know the advice surrounding it is just so so bizarre That's and so the way people support each other is so strange sometimes because I think with anxiety particularly because it can be like so debilitating and invasive it's really important that you just tell people that you acknowledge their experience and just be like I'm you know like I'm sorry you're feeling like that today can I do anything mm. cool. I th- my, I my 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 young cousin were on holiday and we were oh god we, would, we wanted to go on just like a boat trip because that sounded like a nice thing. And then we got on the boat, just us. And then suddenly there were a lot of other people on the boat. And then the techno music started. And the boat just started sailing. We're like, what? And it was like a party boat. We're like, no. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, probably like, doo, 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 doo. And we're like, no, this is the opposite of what we wanted. And then the, um, the, the like party guide thingy was like right now we all get up and we do like a dance in the middle of the aisle like one of those what do you call them and you're all taking turns dancing in a circle thing and I was like looking at my cousin going it's fine it's fine we'll be fine don't worry like we don't have to do this Mm. like we're adults and we're on vacation they can't you know we're not at school it's not our boss they can't make us do anything (laughs) and he came over like come on and everyone was watching 
And they're obviously like, they have to make sure everyone seems to be having fun, otherwise you ruin the party. So this guy came over like, come on, get up! And I was just like looking at my cousin going, we don't need to, don't worry. And I looked at him and I was like, no, we're fine, bye. And he was like, no, come on! I was like, no. And I could just see my cousin start to get panicky. And I started like, just had like a full on panic attack. And she was like crying and crying and just shaking. And this guy just kept going, let's go. Oh, it's not, it's not bad. Just come up and have a party. And like, come on, everyone. And they were like, yeah, come on, get up. And I was just like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. We don't have to do this. They, they can shout all they want. And oh, I was horrible. This is, and I just wanted to kill him. I wanted to throw him over the railing and with everyone on board. Oh, that would have been so good for my anxiety. Just kill everyone on that boat. But I remember thinking, like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Maybe that's a solution. Kill everyone. I mean, yeah. I thought, you know, I thought it through and I took everyone a deep breath. Very quietly. And then I killed everyone. I feel much better. So what I'm trying to say is, I plead guilty. I think the, the last time I had a, a similar thing happen was um, have any of you guys been up to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival? Okay, some of you have. Um, so you know the the people that walk around having a silent disco. Oh, they can fuck themselves. <laughs> oh, my God, oh my God. So there's this thing oh that there's God. this thing that started maybe like three years ago in Edinburgh, where um, these people dressed in like neon lycra decided that it was time for everyone to have a party, no matter what you were doing. Are you going to Greg's? It's time for the party. <laughs> um, so they like got loads of headphones and they started having a silent disco that would walk like around the city, including people on the way. <laughs> and um, last year I was like walking up um, Middle Meadow Walk, which is quite a constricted, like it's, it's a very long sloped path and there aren't that many exits off of it and the party started to arrive and it was the party was like coming towards me I could see it coming and my very important gig I had to get to was on the other side of the party and I could see everyone like I think it was ABBA as well so it was like a a wall of like middle-aged white women (laughs) coming at me chanting ABBA like demons from the deep it was honestly like the most terrified I've been in so long and like a few of them like pointed at me and were like, you <laughs> join the but like it was so clear that they were just subsuming anyone that they met on their way, like a giant party beast. And it was <laughs> Yeah, that was that's that is anxiety, I think. <laughs> that situation. I hate it so I think what I hate the most about it, because I, I would always live in a place where they would come by my window. Oh yeah, of course every, they did. Like, what, like ten times a day, twelve times a day. Yeah. And just stop us out the window and do like a little dance. And it's so the thing. The thing I don't like is that you look at them, and they all really want to be really cool and fun and liberated. But no one is because welcome to this country. And <laughs> so it's just a bunch of people who are like looking around nervously while they're like. But they're looking around like I really hope people think that I'm being really cool and liberated right now. It's just like looking at twenty people with anxiety trying to pretend they don't have anxiety and it gives off this incredible energy of Aha We're doing a cool fun thing They're like, No you're not, this is horrible for everyone. It's so horrible and and then the guides are always like Woohoo Oh fuck off, fuck the have you seen that they've now made a, um, a like, Scottish one, a special Scottish one? What does that mean? Okay, so you go on it and you listen to Scottish songs, and uh, it culminates in you going to an area of the city where there's, um, there's like, a, 
a road that winds down into the grass market. And then there's also a sort of like balcony path that goes above that that leads into a different part of the city. Both very restricted areas, so you can easily get caught yeah, in the party. That's exactly where I live. Okay, so you know it well. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, and what happens is half of you take the high road and half of you take the low road. Um, usually it's split along our favourite thing, the gender binary. Um, and so you get like a large group of cis men just screaming, I take the high And you're like in the middle of it, like, what is, what? And they are all wearing like tiny little scotch bonnets. <laughs> Sometimes people come, like, dressed in, like, the full sporony kilty shebang, which I'm a massive fan of, but, like, in close quarters, dangerous. No one wears pants under them. I just... It's so... It's... I, I want it to stop, <laughs> is what I'm saying. I think there are petitions now. Really? Against it. God, we're just ruining people's fun, aren't we? No, I think we're No, not. you're right. We're not ruining people's fun. The madness we're must end. my life better. <laughs> That, that's all that matters. Maybe we should start our own tour called Sophie and Jodie's Quiet Sitting on a Bench Tour. <laughs> Everyone can come and sit on a bench with yeah, us. In separate Central benches Edinburgh. away from us. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. Other pla- in other cities. Yeah, we'll put a screen. <laughs> oh, that's a dream. That one of those bubbles. You just live in a bubble and no one can touch you or talk to you. Mm, what, the ones that you like roll? Yes. <laughs> like a hamster wheel. Yeah. Yes. It all stems from the hamsters, doesn't it? It all stems from the hamsters. (laughs) Fudgy! I have severe anxiety. I have commitment anxiety. I can't do commitment. I got a a very severe nosebleed in my last relationship. It was a five-hour nosebleed. And I was like, I think I I I have to stop this. I can't do it. You literally got a nosebleed. Five hours. Five, five minutes before I had to go on stage, I got a nosebleed. And I was just, like, bleeding into a toilet going, I, ca- I, ca- I can't go on stage. Shit. Have you ever... Actually, have you ever had anxiety around performing? I had um, stage fright for the first time last Edinburgh. Oh, of course you did. Oh, the yeah. before last. Yeah, yeah. 17. I knew that. It was really horrible. I've never had it before. And suddenly I was just terrified. Like, my mouth went dry and my heart was pounding. And... I was so desperate. At one point, I just started praying. Like, why am I? And I was just like, please give me, give me a stop time. Just stop time. I know if anyone can do it, it's you, God. Stop time, please. Thank you. <laughs> and then it was like, welcome to the stage. So, and it was horrible. I'd never had it before. Yeah. But then that went away. That's why I'm glad it went away. Oh, God, me too. It's the only thing I can do. <laughs> um, yeah. Have you? No, not since doing improv comedy. I think that that was such an extreme thing to have to learn to do. And then my first few comedy gigs were so were so intense. Like my my <clears throat> when I first started doing, obviously that many things happened. But one of my first gigs there, um, a group of like old men sat right by the front of the stage and they tutted me as I walked on. Like before I even opened my mouth, they just went. Ugh. And I could like hear them, but I didn't think the rest of the audience had heard them, and they had. And because I didn't, I was like, no one else has heard it, so I'm not, I'm not going to deal with it. But I should have done because the audience instantly lost faith in me because they they'd read it as a heckle that I hadn't dealt with. Mm. I got it back, and I was like, okay, I dealt with that, it's fine. But then at the end of the gig, a guy came up to me and was like, 
oh, I thought you were really, uh, you weren't really my type. Like when I heard them say uh, your name, I was like, oh, another woman comic. No other women on the bill, by the way. Um, <laughs> just literally a guy that had been um, accused of sexually harassing women was the headliner and they booked me, a very young woman comic in their eyes, um, to just do like a full weekend there. And uh, yeah, he was like, oh, another woman. And then I was like, oh, do you, have there been lots of women? He was like, no. I was like, do you watch women on the TV? He was like, no. I'm like, so the first woman. Um, <laughs> wanker. He was like, yeah, but I thought you were really, I thought you were really good for a, for a woman. And I, I was genuinely fascinated. Like, I was, I was so naive about it. I was like, oh, my first genuinely toxic guy talking to me after a gig. Wow. And so I was like, oh, like, why? This is so interesting. Like, why do you, why do you think this? And he was like, well, I just don't like, I just don't like women. But you were really good. And I was like, but I am a woman. So, like, you're wrong. So I've proved you wrong. So why do you still think it? Is it that you're just inherently sexist to your core? fascinating and he was like no I'm not look I've got my girlfriend with me like that proved he wasn't sexist (laughs) I was like wow so insane fascinating where is she and he like got her over and he was like we tell her like we don't watch women comics do we you don't like them either and she was like no I don't I don't really like them and I was like oh like poor you trapped by the system um didn't say that to her would have made things awkward kept that one inside the brain um i was like okay so like you don't you don't watch women go in he was like no like we just we turn it over if it comes on and i was like really so like whenever you see women on the tv you turn it over and he was like yeah so turn it over and i was like why and he was like because when i see them i just want to hit them in the face and that was one of my first ever gigs (laughs) And I can remember just, like, in that moment, I was like, whoa. And all my naivety just, like, was so obvious to me. I was like, wow, I really thought that I could have a conversation with you about it. And you are genuinely a waste of organs. You are human trash. And I got him kicked out because, like, the guy on the bar behind me, he was, like, I just turned around and was like, he just said he likes hitting women in the face if they dare to get on stage. And I explained very briefly to him I was like you've genuinely just told me that I deserve to be violently attacked for going on stage because I'm a woman are you aware of that and he was like no that's not what I said I was like it is what you said and I'm gonna get you kicked out now um and I got him thrown onto the street and it was very satisfying um but yeah I think after that that was so intense that I I think when you have a few experiences like that when you're going on stage and you have that like division with the audience I think it does one of two things it either gives you very severe anxiety that you then have to like fight to get over or it's like a a full immersion and you come out of the other side of it and I think I was quite lucky with performance stuff because that's that's quite that's how I felt but then I don't know it's also very valid that for some people it's just so constant and overwhelming that of course of course you have to back out. Mm. Of course you do. But yeah, I don't know. I think I think a lot of the time when I have to deal with shit after performing, it just makes me want to perform more because I know that ultimately it's coming from a place where they just don't want me to have a platform. Yeah, and then there's the opposite. Like there's a guy who at the moment is coming to... He used to come to, he used to, just come to a lot of my shows and then wouldn't 
Like he was just there afterwards and just standing way too close, talking too much, and like I, could, I couldn't get away from him. It was a bit. He just seemed a bit like a creep. And then he turned up at an activist event, like for fat people. He's not fat. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, maybe he's like an ally. Like maybe he just wants to learn about this. I guess that's fair enough. But then he just again stood and waited afterwards. And I said to the other people I was with, I was like, uh, that guy is a bit. I think he might be a bit of a creep because he's always at my gigs and he's. Uh, can we just like talk for a while so he'll go? And he just didn't go. We talked for half an hour. He was just standing there, and like saying to people, "I need to talk to Sophie. I need to talk to Sophie." And then when I, if I had to, go, like he was standing, I had to walk past him to get out of there. With like, I mean, women are amazing. Other women who were just like, "Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll kick. Do you want me to kick him out? Do you want me to? Just, I'll, I'll fucking protect you. Don't you worry. I'll fucking, I'll kill him. Like, yeah, I love you." Uh, and then he finally like got to me and then asked like a ridiculous question that had that showed that he hadn't listened to anything that had been said at this event about mm-hmm. fatness. So it seemed like just like an excuse to make me say something. And like, and that's one. And I was lucky because I was amongst people who got it. But if I had been at a gig with like three male comics who don't really get that that happens, they wouldn't have necessarily been as. I'm not not all of them. People like Larry Dean is really good at protecting. Uh, female comedians after gigs and stuff because he knows there's a risk but a lot of them just won't think that that's a thing so I was really lucky I was surrounded by like fat women who are just like oh, we'll protect you um, but that like that then you're like on stage and you see them you're like oh it's that guy again yeah. and then I, in the female comedian whatsapp group I was like oh do you know and described him like do you, does anyone know this guy does he come to your gigs as well and uh, two people said oh yeah yeah I know him he comes to mine as well uh, I'll send you a picture to see if it's him it wasn't there were three of them that just and that's just three that looks the same yeah. like like there's so many and that is so just don't do it like if, you, if he's if he's obsessed or like something he'll listen to this don't stop <laughs> please stop <laughs> listen please it's so annoying. It's yeah. so frustrating. Because you want to feel safe in your job. Yeah. And you don't know. He, I mean, he's probably fine, you know, but he also could be not fine. Either way, it's a boundary that you don't know how to... Because you're on stage going, oh, yeah, so I wanged with a cucumber and called it dad. Uh, that's not one of my bits. <laughs> <laughs> it's an absolute like, classic. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, cool. I can talk to that person, but no. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not how it works. Mm. I think the the world would be a lot safer for people with anxiety if there were more people that were able to read like basic body language. Mm-hmm. Like there was even yes, when we did a recording in here yesterday, there was this guy who knocked on the door like an hour before we were going to record, and he was like, "Hey, can I come in and take pictures?" And we were like, "Oh, are you with, with the venue? Like, you with the? You was, have yeah. you been sent to take pictures?" He was like, "No." I was like, "Okay." Um, <laughs> why do you want to take pictures in here? And he was like, oh, well, I thought I'd knock because I, I saw that you were, because we were testing the sound. He was like, I saw that you were maybe recording. And I was like, ah, but you, you've still knocked, I see. <laughs> and I was like piecing, piecing together the puzzle of his own lack of ability to not be a cunt. Yeah. And he was like, so can I come in and take the pictures? And we were like, oh, actually, we're, we're in the middle of working, so it's not really a good time. And he was like, but why? And we were like, because we're what it's not a good time. And he was like, every time's a good, like, every time's a good time for art. And it's like, <laughs> it's not a good time. How can you not read my tone? He was genuinely smiling throughout the yeah. whole thing. Like, I don't think he even... I think what you want, I think what you want to say is respect boundaries. Yeah. And that's just, and we, I know you know this, but um, being able to 
read body language is a privileged thing, isn't it? Okay. Like, uh, I have people in my family who are autistic who can't. Who That's such can't. a good point. That's such a good so, point. Thank and you also, for saying and that. I think it's the, in my head, this is like the, the dick pic situation. I'll explain. There's a, <laughs> a common, mis- and it's become a thing that I get really, not annoyed with, maybe annoyed, but people have this thing of going, oh, why do men think that we like seeing their dicks? Like, why are they sending dick pics? Like, do they think we like it? No, they don't. They know we don't like it. That's not the point. They, they know. Like, they know. They just want us to see it and feel uncomfortable. It's not an act of, I bet you'll really love this. That's not why they sent dick pics. Unwarranted. Um, and I think it's the same. I think that guy knew. He knew exactly that we didn't want him to come in and take pictures. He just didn't give a shit. Yeah. I think that's the... It's I like think a it's, fun, a fun like, devil's advocate pushing thing. Oh, well, it's that? just like a... Well, uh, a woman's no is up for debate. Yeah. It never really means no. Like, come on. Like, it's so, it, it's baffles me how many times men will power through no's and you just keep going no, no, still not, no, no. And you start counting, like, how many times you say no... Like I have a thing on my Instagram. I think I saved it as a story, like a highlight, where someone will write me, like, oh, something, I just say no. And then they'll go, oh, come on. And I go, no. And I think I made it through 18 no's. And they just keep going, why not? Come on, please, come on. I love you. I think you're hot. Why not? Why not? Tell me what. It's amazing how much your no just means nothing. And that is, if anything, so anxiety-inducing, because you're like... Oh, I have nothing. Like you just you're breaking down my boundaries with like a tank and I can't do anything. And forcing you to be confrontational about something that should have been mm. so basic. Yeah, and you know if you go, Well fuck the fuck off, mate, they're like, Whoa. Oh, okay, wow. You're being really aggressive and you're like, Well, I have nothing left. <laughs> You've taken everything. How did we talk about anxiety and now we talk about men again? I don't know. <laughs> as I said at the beginning. They're the source of a lot of my anxiety. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I don't know. I think I... Anxiety is something that, for me, I know isn't going to go away completely. It's something that I can develop coping mechanisms for. But I'm just... I'm very aware, like, when I talk about anxiety with my sister, she really... she had to like actively accept that it was a thing even though it was a a thing for her she has she has anxiety she just like hated herself for being quote unquote highly strong and I I don't know that's why I want to keep talking about it because Mm. I just feel like it's it's often erased as like a reaction to a stressful situation or like just part of your personality as though you can just switch that up now I'm new I don't know it just seems like an important thing to keep talking about also because I would love for people to be aware of all it takes if you're not anxious and you have friends who have anxiety it's just like asking you know the amount of times that I've gone with people and they've been like oh let's go to this other place and this is loud noisy there's so many people and it's horrible and then I'm like oh I'm just gonna go and then they'll get all upset about you breaking up the party or whatever I'm like, well, I, can't, I cannot handle this. And you're just standing in the corner, just like hugging your jacket. And it would be so much easier if they were like, oh, maybe we'd go to a nicer place that's more quiet. Yeah. Like at the moment when I'm with a group of people and they organize like a dinner party, I'm like, right, okay, but do the 
chairs have um, armrests because I'm fat and also how many people are there is it loud and I know I'm really being really annoying but it's not that difficult to find no, like a nice not at a all. nice place if unless I can see that sometimes it's if it's more people but it's like it's fine still just if you want me to come to a party don't invite other people that's <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> so I'm saying why do you need other people I'm, I'm enough I'm a party in myself. I'll talk about anxiety for an hour. I'm fine. I'm a lot of fun. So much fun. <laughs> <laughs> and when they do, it's amazing. I've had people kind of say to people, oh, let's not go there. Let's go to a quieter place. And then, oh, like when a lot of my friends do it now, when we walk into a restaurant or a cafe and they'll like offer me the corner because they know, mm. or like this other seat up against the wall, or they'll like say to the, the waiter that we want a table in the corner. Or they'll just say no to the one in the middle. And I'm like, oh, it's such a relief. And all I had to do was to make a whole stand-up show about it. <laughs> <laughs> Made it very specifically clear what I needed. <laughs> you can buy that on surveying.com. It's called Shimmer Shats. It's five pounds for a download. It's fine. Would you like to read the bedtime story? I would love to read the bedtime story. Dino erotica is a thing. It's cool, we ain't kink-shaming. In fact, we like it so much, we're gonna read some out to you now. Let's see what you think. In, uh, here at Secret Dinosaur Cult, we cherish and worship, in a way, dinosaur erotica. And I found this amazing, amazing piece of work that is oddly representative of a group that is not often represented and I'm not even talking about the dinosaurs. <laughs> it's called um, Hot Dino Girls 4. So there may be some uh, spoilers for people who have not read Hot Dino Girls 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> this is by Paul Lucas. Here is a sentence I've never said before. On an alternate Earth populated by human-dinosaur hybrids, Normal human Mike Ardavan works as a handyman and a herdmaster at Niska's Bed and Breakfast Inn. <laughs> That's just a lot of words put together, isn't it? <laughs> he shares his life and bed with three curvy dinosaur women twice his size. The mature and earthy... Such a way of describing a fat woman, isn't it? <laughs> the mature and earthy Niska, the fun and impulsive Annika, and the energetic young Lurika. This volume continues the heated erotic adventures of daily life on an amazing alien world featuring four brand new steamy tales. Birthday, oh, I'm going to say that word, birthday treat. Niska's grown son, Elan, visits and receives a most unexpected gift from Anaka. <gasps> In sitting, Elan watches the inn while its normal residents are away only to encounter a personal crisis. Can Miranda, the human, the human hovercraft driver, help <laughs> cheer up the huge ap apatosaur male? Brachiosaurus? Mm -hmm. Brachiosaurus ride. Lorica and Anaika take a wild ride on a domesticated Brachiosaurus. Then there's Plesiosaur pleasures. <laughs> Cadli is a young Plesiosaur, Plesiosaur woman just trying to make a living as a merchant. An unexpected encounter with Mike and Niska on a deserted beach leads to much more than just trading opportunities. <laughs> Set in the same sci-fi world as the Hot Dragon Girls series, Ice Age Heat, 
<laughs> and the wall dragon's mate contains fun romance and some very naughty sexual shenanigans adult readers only <laughs> and I found one review <laughs> from uh, I also read a lot of it there's a lot of it that isn't sex Oh yeah, you like get backstory. W- way more backstory than sex. It's a lot of it about the hovercraft. <laughs> Surprisingly little. Oh. But there's a whole thing where he's... Was he the human? Yeah, he, so he's the human. I think it must be Mike. And he's uh, looking through binoculars at two velociraptors, women velociraptors, doing uh, sex. And then he describes it to some dinosaur woman... And then as he describes what they're doing, she's, like, fellating him. It's very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like there's a lot of layers to the storytelling in it. Yeah. A lot of voices. It's very beautifully written as well. It was also, like, two and a half pounds instead of the usual 99p. Wow. I think it's, like, a a good one. Anyways, this um, review is by Lofty. Gives it five out of five stars. Title, A Sensual Delight to Read. Hot Dino Girls is a delightful collection of four short fantasy and science fiction erotic stories. Each one takes you into the lives of different characters sharing the same location at an old lighthouse renovated into a bed and breakfast inn set on an alternate earth inhabited by humanoid dinosaurs. And of course it is. <laughs> Paul Lucas, the author is becoming well-known for a wonderful mix of romantic characters and steamy, hot scenes set in unusual places. These continue in this theme. All of them take you into romantic and steamy scenes between fun and loving characters. You will find it... I mean, it's the same words she's using. Anyways, you will find it easy to relate to. Mm. I, was able to re- <laughs> I was able to read this one sooner as I could... I was able to read this one sooner, as I could read each story without needing to set aside the usual amount of time to read it all at once. This is because once I get into a Paul Lucas story, I have to complete it before I can put it down. I just I, I put it down easily. <laughs> <laughs> Reading each of these was a delight. They will stay with me for many months to come. I especially loved the second one, featuring a young tailor going through a personal crisis. A sexy lady shows up at just the right time to rejuvenate his spirits and inspire him to greater heights. The characters are heartwarming and fun, and the scenes are steamy hot. That's like seven times he says steamy hot. (laughs) Definitely got me wet. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for another fantastic reading experience. (laughs) Gorgeous. I think I might read the rest at some point. Yeah. It was a, I'm sure it was you a, won't be able to put it down. <laughs> it's just a lot of story that had nothing to do. <laughs> I'm not in it for the sci-fi. I'm in it for the diner dick. <laughs> you know me. Should leave that review. <laughs> Three stars. More diner dick, please. Paul Lucas. The thing we're plugging this week has got that extra special thing that makes them unique. Like a triceratops which has teeth and horns and a beak. Do you have a person of the week you want to plug? Yeah. Um, Imriel Morgan is... Uh, so she did my podcast a while ago and she's one of the most... Uh, she's just so cool. And she has a podcast now called The Wannabe Podcast, which is like a business and... and I can't say this word. Entrepreneur? <laughs> Mm. Was that right? Entrepreneur, yeah. Someone gave her the request on Instagram asking me to say the word genre more. And now I don't know why I'm saying that wrong. <laughs> genre? 
Jump. No. That's correct. Excuse me. Barry Norton. He's, he's a named patron. and he's a, shamed. <laughs> he's a patron. We love him very much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, oh yeah. So um, uh, it's this, she's such a good interviewer. So she talks to people in various industries and just asks them about like how they got there, just how it's like being in their field, how they do their work, and she's so engaging and genuinely curious. Um, yeah, and she gets really cool people as well. Um, people from oh, what's it called like people who've been on Bob's Burgers and stuff and oh, like cool. illustrators and people from all various fields uh, Wannabe Podcast it's really really good Imreel Morgan and everything she does is really great awesome yeah. got any stuff you're doing you want to plug I'm going on tour of the UK uh, and uh, just to I'm going to go all over the UK but this this particular tiny tour I'm doing I'm not going to Scotland and I'm getting tweets about that. And then because I mentioned Scotland when I'm saying, hey, Scotland, I'm now suddenly in this weird thing where I get a lot of tweets from people just about Scotland, people who search for the word Scotland and then are very angry about Scotland. It's very strange. I don't know enough about the politics of this country to know why they're angry. But anyways, it's a, a stand-up and book tour and uh, called Happy... F- <laughs> Rap Happy. I don't know why I'm fucking this up. You're doing great. I'm going... Fuck everything I've just said. I'm going to go on a tour of the UK. All of the UK. (laughs) (laughs) My tour is called Bubble Rap Happy Fat. It's a stand-up and book tour. Uh, My new book is my new book. My only book. My book is called uh, Happy Fat. It's about why it's okay to be fat. You can pre-order it now. It comes out on May 2nd. I uh, also have two shows in Denmark on the 8th and 10th of April in Copenhagen and Aarhus. That's my new show, The Bum Swing, which I will also take to Edinburgh, which is a whole month in Scotland, Edinburgh. And then after that, I'm going to go on a very long tour where I will go all over the place, especially places like Glasgow and Aberdeen. (laughs) I love Scotland. I genuinely do, and I will go there. Um, And I got another podcast called Made of Human, and you can buy my show about anxiety on my website, sophiehagen.com, where you can also get tickets for all of my shows. Jody, what do you have to plug? Uh, Well, you should definitely come to our secret dinosaur cult special that we're doing in Birmingham <laughs> um, yes. that Please is do. on the 24th of March yes at 1pm yeah a very accessible time <laughs> so get well, on that like you don't have plans at 1pm no one has plans on a Sunday it's a Sunday 1pm everyone can do that it's the Lord's Day it's the day of rest yeah you can get on the train at 7 from wherever you are in the country <laughs> you can be in Birmingham by 12.30. You'll be back in wherever you live. You could be anywhere. You can get anywhere. And you can come from anywhere in the world to Birmingham. Especially if you have a, a, a hover friends. thing. <laughs> Just, um, so yeah, please come to that. And you can find all the dates on um, secretdinosaurcult.com. And you can also check out my queer, all women and non-binary comedy collective the lol word thank you for being so amazing for listening to us prattle on about anxiety (laughs) process or deep rooted trauma yeah so much so much you've been such a lovely audience thank you so much you have been listening to Secret Dinosaur Cult you can follow us on Twitter at Secret Dino Cult 
on Instagram and Facebook as Secret Dinosaur Cult. Sign up for our newsletter on secretdinosaurcult.com, where you can also find tickets for our future cult meetings, and you can give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Secret Dinosaur Cult is a Dying Alone Limited production produced by Justine McNichol, jingle by Harriet Brain, and artwork by Gavin Smart and Annalise Napper. Thank you for listening.